All right, the book of Haggai tonight, Haggai chapter 1. If you don't know where that's at, find the book of Matthew, back up a little bit into the Old Testament, you'll see the book of Zechariah, or Malachi, then Zechariah, then Haggai, Haggai. One of those books that's easily forgotten where it's at. Haggai chapter 1 is where we'll be tonight. You know, when I was little, four or five years old, I remember... I like to figure out how to do things. I was always pretty curious, which is interesting because I see that character trait in my daughter now and it scares me. But I remember my father, he would always try to help me figure things out. And it was usually to the tune of, oh, oh, stop, do it like this. You know, I was trying to figure out how to play a sport or do something like that or even chess. I loved playing chess when I was younger. And he'd be like, oh, stop and do it like this. And he would show me how it was done. And then I got a little bit older, you know, seven, eight, nine years old and Uh, Then my father would say something to the effect of, you know, stop, think through it, especially if it was a math problem. Stop and think through it. How does this work? And so now he's not just showing me how to do it, but he's making me think through it myself. And I got a little bit older into my teenage years, and uh, my father, I don't know if this was on purpose, but it was usually more to the tune of, hey, if you make this decision, think about what will happen. So then we go from him showing me how to do it, making me think through it, to now I'm having to look at the results. Uh, And looking back now, now that I'm a father, I can start to see a little bit of a pattern. Again, uh, now that I'm a father, I see how wise my parents were that I didn't realize before. But now that I'm an adult, sometimes I'll call my father and I'll ask for his advice, you know, try to tap into that wisdom every once in a while. And usually the answer is, you know what you're doing. Uh, You know what you're doing. You're fine. You can figure it out. And he'll usually give me an answer. He'll lead me in one direction or another. Uh, But what's he saying? He's saying, I've taught you. Now go live what you have been taught. He's making me stop and think through what we're doing. I think it's good sometimes to stop and think about our life. It's good to stop and step back and look at the bigger picture. And today we're going to look at that. Uh, Let's look at verse number 5. Haggai chapter 1. We'll start reading in verse number 5. The Bible says, Now therefore... Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to be put into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Um, When God says something once, it's good enough to pay attention. When he says it twice, you really ought to pay attention. For instance... My father might say, boy, go clean your room. And I might go, okay, I'll clean my room the next few minutes. But if the verse, the voice got a little more stern and he said, boy, you better go clean your room, I knew I was going to clean my room right then or I was going to face the consequences. So tonight, we're going to look at this thought of consider your ways. Consider your ways. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for another opportunity to be in church. I pray, Lord, that you would give uh, the people, Lord, the energy to pay attention, Lord, so that we can learn about how to consider our ways. God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to step back and look at our life, and Lord, that we might stay close to you and do it exactly as you would have us to. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, Lord, do a work tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. My daughter is at the stage where she likes to get into everything. She's kind of walking, kind of not. She thinks she can, but she really can't. She's better at falling than walking at this point. But she likes to get into things that she can't get into. Her favorite forbidden item to grab is the television remote. She loves the television remote. Now, 
her grandparents got her her own fake television remote, but she doesn't want that one. She wants the one that actually works for the TV. And so she'll reach up to grab the television remote, and I'll snap my finger, and I'll say, McKenna, no, don't touch that. Don't touch that. And she'll look at me, and she'll look at that remote. And she looks at me, and she looks at that remote. What is she doing? She's considering, is it worth it to grab the remote? Sometimes she tries, and she always finds out the consequences, Uh, and sometimes she makes the right decision, and I praise her for that, but she's stopping, and she's considering what she's about to do and what she's doing. Uh, Another example, if you were to see me at the grocery store, perhaps you might see me standing in the freezer section. In one hand will be a gallon of ice cream, and the other one might be, I don't know, a bag of carrots. What am I doing? I'm trying to consider my ways. Which way am I going to go? Am I going to go the healthy route or the ice cream route? 99 times out of 100, I'm going to go the ice cream route, but I'm trying to stop and consider what I am doing. The fact of the matter is that it's good to check up on ourselves occasionally. We routinely check up on many things in life. For instance, uh, if you have a car, you know and you understand, at least I hope you do, your car needs to be maintained. You've got to check the oil every once in a while. You've got to make sure those spark plugs stay clean. You have to make sure you have gas in your car, uh, especially if you own a Dodge. You've got to make sure you keep it maintained. Uh, my brothers-in-law drive an 05 Pontiac Vibe. Before they drove it, my wife drove it for several years while we were dating in college. And as the one who was dating her, I tried to take it on as my responsibility to make sure that car stayed running. That was a task sometimes. That car has, what, over 500,000 miles on it now. You can hear it coming from a mile away. It takes a little bit more routine maintenance than others, but you have to keep up with your car. What about this one? If you're a parent, you got to check up on your child's grades every once in a while especially if they're in history class. You've got to check up on their grades. Make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. That's why we have report cards. Uh, what about this one? I like my house to be cold. Sometimes it's good to do a little checkup on your AC unit. Or if you like me and you have bad allergies, you've got to make sure that filter stays clean. Uh, what about this one? Your bank account. There's so many different ways you can check your bank account. I remember growing up, my parents used to just call the bank. Now you can just pull it up on your phone. But there's some people who are constantly checking to make sure they still have money to spend. What about this one? Your health. We check up on our health. We go to the doctor. We got to make sure everything's in check. Uh, and then they send you home with a whole pharmacy worth of pills uh, that give you worse side effects than what you actually had. But you got to check up on your health. Uh, I was homeschooled my whole life. And in our curriculum, we had scheduled checkups, is what they called them. Uh, basically, a quiz to make sure that we were doing okay and we were understanding the material. And it was essentially just examining our comprehension of that section. But I liked how they called it. They called it checkups. In other words, we're checking up on how we're doing. Sometimes we spend so much time, energy, and money routinely checking up on different areas of life, but then when it comes to the spiritual things, we just seem to hit a cruise mode. We don't check up on our spiritual life to make sure we're doing everything the way that God would want us to do it. You know, our flesh is a very powerful thing, isn't it? Uh, It will convince you that you're fine and you don't have time to do the things that you need to. You say, well, I'm, I'm doing fine spiritually, I don't need to check up on myself. You just get in this routine, this rut, this motion of doing what you know you should be doing. Uh, When we go out soul winning, what are we doing? I'll tell you what we're doing. To simplify it, we're sharing the gospel, and we're asking people to consider their ways once they hear it. We set before them life and death, and we ask them to make a decision. What are they doing? They're considering their ways, considering what needs to be done. And you know, it's hard. It's hard to go against that natural grain to just stop and examine ourselves and ask ourselves the hard question if we're truly doing things the way that we should be doing it. I don't know why, 
Uh, maybe it's because we're too scared of what we'll find. Maybe it's our pride that keeps us from discovering our own weaknesses. Maybe it's just knowing that we're too lazy to fix it if we find anything wrong anyways. Recently, I preached a message in uh, elementary chapel based solely on the excuses that I hear when I go out soul winning because people have a lot of excuses. People don't like to be confronted with the truth. Therefore, they tend to try to avoid it and give these lame excuses as to why they are okay not being very good in this area or why they don't need to give extra effort in spiritual matters. You know, none of these things are good reasons not to obey the Lord's command to consider our ways because that's what it is. It's a command. God didn't say, do it if you feel like it. Do it when you have time. He said, consider your ways. Stop. Check up on your spiritual life. You say, no, 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 I'm okay. No, 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 no. Listen to God. Stop, and let's do some checkups. So tonight, let's look together and learn how we can consider our ways. Now, I've got six points, but I don't want to scare you with that. I think we can move pretty quickly, especially as we get down towards the end. So in considering our ways, number one, be thorough in your examination. Be thorough in your examination. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 40 says, Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. I believe it's good to look at your life, to break it down into different categories, and set time aside to examine them individually. Now, I like things to be organized. I'm a bit of a neat freak. I like things to be a certain way. Uh, my wife makes fun of me because my closet is organized in the perfect color spectrum. You know, a white shirt has to be by a white shirt. You can't put a white shirt by a black shirt and so on and so forth. But I think it's good to break down your life into different categories and examine them by the different categories. Uh, you might have the category of relationships. You might have the category of your personality, your character traits, your walk with God, your ministry service, and many, many more things that make up your daily life. Break those things down and examine them. Is this exactly how God would have me to act in this category? Am I doing exactly what God would want? And am I responding in the right way? People today never take time to study themselves. And therefore, they don't discover their own strengths and their own weaknesses. I am completely convinced of the fact that everyone who says, well, God just didn't give me a special talent. No, God did. You just never put yourself out there to discover the strengths that God has given you. For instance, your great talent might be singing, but if you never step foot in the choir, you're never going to know that. Your great talent might be working on a bus route, but if you don't hop on a bus route, you're never going to know that. Your great talent might be encouragement, but if you never go outside of your comfort zone, you're never going to know that. You have to study yourself to know your own strengths and weaknesses. For example, when I was a bus captain in college, every single week without fail, at the end of the day, we'd come off the route, I would write down three things that I thought went great that day. And I'd say, all right, these are three things that did well, let's repeat that next week. And then I would write down three things that I thought didn't go so well that day, and I'd say, all right, these are three things that went wrong. Let's not repeat that next week. Now, that didn't always happen, but I wanted to be thorough in examining my ministry to make sure that we were on the up and up. Consider your ways literally means to set your heart on your ways. You got to be 100% focused in what you're doing when it comes to being thorough. Uh, the plural ways literally implies that you have to consider both what you've done and where that path is going. You have to consider whether or not what you have suffered in going away from God was worth it. Because you see, whenever you live life to please yourself, you're sacrificing something that you could be doing for God. And you have to stop and consider, is it really worth the sacrifice to please yourself? 
And this is not just a casual glancing look at your life, but this is time-consuming, a nitty-gritty task that I believe as Christians we should be about every single day of our life, examining ourselves. What am I doing that could be holding me back from doing more for God? Ask yourself this question. Is this how God would want me to do this? Is this how God would want me to handle this situation? Is this how God would want me to respond? I challenge you to stop. Take a look at the smallest details of your life and genuinely assess whether or not you are failing. To be thorough simply means to look at every single thing. And it's hard because there's a lot of things in your life, especially the busier you get, you think, man, there's a lot of things that I have my hands in. Uh, My parents drilled in me to be thorough. When I was in school, I had this problem of skipping over answers because I was in too much of a rush. I would scan over a page and I would miss a lot. And my father would be like, boy, did you even read those instructions? And of course, you know, I'd give the classic one, well, I read over them or I read through them type of a response. But uh, the, the fact of the matter is, is I would skip over it. I wasn't being thorough. I would rush to wash the dishes. I would rush to eat. I would rush to do my chores. And it took time for me to learn to be thorough. You know, it's important to be thorough, even if you think you're okay in a certain area. For example, you say, well, I read my Bible, so obviously I'm doing good in that area. But you have to stop and ask the question when you're being thorough, why are you reading the Bible? Are you reading it to check off a little box? Are you reading it because you want something from God? Uh, You have to genuinely assess every area of your life. You say, oh, Brother Jackson, I could fill a book with the number of ministries that I participate in. And that's great. Praise the Lord. But thoroughly examine your heart as to why you participate in those ministries. God doesn't want a robot that comes in and does things just for the sake of doing it. He wants somebody that does it because they have a heart to serve the Lord. If you're doing it for the praise of men, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Matthew chapter 6, we won't take the time to cover it, but it teaches us a lot about doing the right things for the right reason. So, in considering our ways, we must, number one, be thorough in your examination. Number two, you must be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. Psalm chapter 51, verse 6, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. You know, we're really good at lying to ourselves, aren't we? We're really good at saying, you know what, I'm going to mow the lawn tonight when I get home from work. And then the next morning you wake up and you get out to your car and you say, well, that didn't happen. We're really good at convincing ourselves that we're going to do okay. We convince ourselves that it's okay sometimes to be spiritually weak in a particular area because we're strong in another area. So we just avoid the conviction. We avoid the confrontation. We say, well, I'm not a very good soul winner, but that's okay. I won't try to give my best because I'm a really good singer or I'm a really good encourager. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we need to be doing our best in every category. I've told the high school students many times this year, just be honest with yourself. Be real. Be genuine. Nobody likes a fake person. And you know, when you stand before God, nothing will be hidden from God's eyes. He knows the real reason that you do what you do, and he asks for you to simply be honest with yourself and admit when you're failing in an area. Hebrews 4.13 says it quite well. It says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You know, it's time we stop trying to justify our sin in our own mind. It's time we stop trying to justify and excuse ourselves out of 
certain things that we know we should be doing. And we just simply said, you know what, God, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest about my sin. If Christians in this nation would simply have a return to being honest with themselves about their sin in their life, I believe that we would have a revival that would surpass those of years gone by. Because we have a lot of Christians that are lulling themselves to sleep and convincing themselves that they're okay with a lower standard. They're okay not being involved in the church. They're okay not giving what they know they should give in any category, in any area. But if we were honest honest with ourselves, we'd have to admit, upon examination, there's, there's some areas we need to pick it up in. Being honest isn't quite enough, though, is it? I know a lot of people who are honest with themselves, and they're walking into sin with their eyes wide open, which that's another sermon in itself. But once you uncover that sin, it leads you to the natural conclusion that it's time to repent. First John chapter 5, verse 5 says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. You know what that tells me? That tells me that there are people who aren't walking with God, but will lie to themselves and lie to others and say that they do. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hey, aren't you thankful that we have a forgiving God? That whenever we do something wrong or we're failing in an area, God is faithful and just to forgive us. Hey, when you were saved, you know what happened? You got honest with yourself and you got honest with God about your sinful state. It's time some Christians remembered those precious moments that they had at the time of salvation. Oh, we remember the relief that we felt to be freed from the burden of sin and hell, but how quickly we forget that time of being honest with ourselves, knowing what we deserved, knowing that there was nowhere we could turn to but to God. If we were to keep that same mindset after salvation, maybe we could be doing a little better. Maybe upon close examination, if we were to keep our fellowship with God by being honest, we could more accurately serve the Lord. So, number three, be receptive to counsel. Be receptive to counsel. If you're going to consider your ways, sometimes we have to admit that we have a somewhat biased opinion of ourselves. Uh, you walk up to any four or five-year-old boy and you ask him if he's strong, what's he going to do? He's going to flex his muscles like he's Mr. Universe. Uh, they are biased in their opinion of themselves. And we all are. That's all of us. Sometimes it's good to have somebody from the outside give an assessment of how we're doing. Proverbs eleven fourteen: where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. It's okay to ask someone's opinion about whether you're taking the wrong path or not. And, you know, I, I don't even trust my own mind. I'd like to think that I'm not completely, completely ignorant about some areas of life. Uh, before I make a decision, I do as much research as possible. I try to make sure that I'm as well informed as I possibly can be. But, you know, I'm not God. I'm not all-knowing. Uh, it's okay to ask what areas you can improve upon. It's okay to ask what kind of friends you should make or what kind of friends you should forsake. It's okay to ask how you should do some things or what you should uh, handle a certain situation or how you should respond. And then Proverbs chapter 5, verse 1 gives even more clarity. It says, A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. You see, if we're not careful, sometimes we get into this habit of thinking, Oh, I'll get some counsel. I know just who to ask who will tell me exactly what I want to hear. Uh, go to wise counsel, someone that you know has been with God and will give you some good 
solid, godly advice. I have some people in my life that I go to for counsel whenever I have an important decision. Uh, if you say, well, I don't know who to go to, go to pastor. Pastor will steer you in the right direction. You'll never go wrong getting counsel from pastor. And if nothing else, get counsel from the great counselor. I love the, the verse, Isaiah chapter 28, verse 29 says, This also cometh from the Lord of hosts, which is wonderful in counsel. Hey, you want to get some wonderful counsel? Go to God. Uh, but that requires that you spend some time in prayer. And that leads me to my next point. So let's recap. In considering our ways, we must, number one, be thorough in our examination. Number two, you have to be honest with yourself. Number three, be receptive to counsel. And number four, be quiet before God. Be quiet before God. Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. You know, sometimes we just need to fall before God in honest, earnest prayer to consider our ways as David did here. Quiet time alone with God might be the most underrated part of prayer. We're habitually going to God and telling him our needs and praising him, and we've gotten into the habit of asking for God's forgiveness, and that's good, that's great, don't stop. But sometimes we ask God for things, and he's wanting to give us the answer right then and there, but as soon as we're done saying what we want to say, we're out, and we stop. Sometimes it's good to stop and be quiet and let the Holy Spirit talk to you. Let the Holy Spirit show you some areas in your life. Let him give you some of the answers that you're seeking. It's good to say, as David did, search me, O God. It's hard to bear yourself open to anyone. It's hard to bear yourself open to God, who is the judger. But it's good to spend quiet time with God, allowing God to show you. After you say, God, search me, but then you never are receptive to what he has to say. You have to give him time to search you. We forget sometimes that prayer is not a one-sided conversation. If we open up our heart to God, he'll let us know when something is wrong because you will feel that conviction. Maybe you'll be sitting there, and I don't know about you, but whenever I pray sometimes, the Lord brings a scenario to my mind, and I'm like, hmm, I should have witnessed to that person at the gas station or at the store. I'll be thinking, I'm like, man, I should have taken more time to be an encouragement to so-and-so today. Or maybe I'll think uh, I shouldn't have given my wife my credit card. Or maybe that's just common sense speaking. I don't know. Either way, if you don't feel conviction, it's probably because of one or two reasons. Either you're not saved or you're backslidden. Uh, if, if you have quiet time before God, the Holy Spirit will point out some areas in your life that maybe are just a touch off. Maybe you need to course correct in a little bit, but you have to have some quiet time with God. We live in such a loud world, a world that's full of chaos, a world that's full of busyness. Find time to get quiet before the Lord. And considering our ways, we must be thorough in our examination. Be honest with yourself. Be receptive to counsel. Be quiet before God. And number five, be yielded to the Bible. Be yielded to the Bible. Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I love my wife, I promise, but she cannot see worth a lick without her glasses or her contacts. Uh, I'll ask her if my outfit matches and Suddenly, she becomes a, a different nationality. You know, she's trying to look and see what I'm doing. She's like, what are you wearing? What color is that? Uh, without her glasses, she will literally walk right into the walls. Um, I'm thinking about getting her one of those sticks that blind people use sometimes to get around the house at night. But I can tell by the response, some of you do the same thing. If you want to consider your ways, it's good to hold the light of God's word up to your life. 
Uh, I love going camping, but when I'm out in the dark woods, it's nice to have a flashlight and see where I'm going so I'm not tripping over the tree stumps and the fallen branches. Hold the light of God's word up to your life, and you'll start seeing some things that probably shouldn't be there. Uh, I have a guy that keeps calling me every day with a different phone number saying that he wants to help me with my expired car warranty. Uh, That's a lie. He doesn't actually want to help me. But you know what? The Bible won't lie to you. This book is perfect truth, dictated by a perfect God who cannot lie. Uh, I remember growing up one Sunday morning, my brother Jesse is sitting at the table eating breakfast, and suddenly he doesn't feel so good. So my mom runs into the bedroom, and she grabs my father, and uh, my dad comes in and sits by him, and he says, Jesse, what's wrong? And Jesse says, I can't see, I can't see, I can't see. And my dad says, well, no wonder. You got your eyes closed. And sure enough, he had his eyes closed. I don't know what was happening. Either way, you get into this book, and you let God open your eyes to some things in your life that shouldn't be there. Then you can see what needs to be cleaned up. But there are a lot of Christians who are walking around with their eyes closed because they don't want to see the things that are wrong with their life. That's why God says, hey, stop and consider your ways. Open up your eyes. Look at your life for what it truly is. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, you know the verse. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the abiding asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know why this book is a repellent to many people in the world? It's because it brings conviction on them. I mean, it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This right here, when people call you a a Bible thumper, or uh, when I was at work in college, I had a a driver that would always call me Bible boy. Uh, Whenever they see you with your Bible, suddenly they want to keep, you know, social distancing all all far away from you. Why is that? Because this book is as sharp as a two-edged sword. Why does it need to be a sword? Because there are things that need to be cut out of your life. And this Bible will show you what needs to be cut out if you will let it. Sometimes it hurts to read the Word of God when it's revealing areas of my life that I need some work on. My point was to be yielded to the Bible. Because we can read the Bible all that we want, But until we obey what we read and we become doers of the word and not hearers only, it's of no use to us. Let the sword of God cut some things out of your life. And you say, but it hurts. Hey, consider your ways also means considering where the path you're on will take you. You say, oh, but I don't want to get rid of this in my life. Okay, but a small problem now will be much bigger down the road. A small thing now is going to snowball and a little bit of hurt now to get rid of it in your life will save you from a world of pain later on down the road. Those wise counselors that we mentioned before, oftentimes they've been down that road or they've had some insight on that road and they can give you warnings if you will heed them. The Bible can hold a light to your path. It can show you some of the gross negligence in your disobedience to the word of God. There was a man that once said, he said, what makes the difference is not how many times you have been through the Bible, but how many times and how thoroughly The Bible has been through you. Hey, let the word of God work on you. I love all the different things that the Bible is compared to. You know, the light, the sword, the water. There are so much that this book can do if we would just pay attention. Have you been letting this book speak to you, teach you, correct you, or is it just words on a page? And considering our ways, we must be thorough in your examination. Be honest with yourself. Be receptive to counsel. Be quiet before God. Be yielded to the Bible. And lastly, compare your ways with God's ways.
Compare your ways with God's ways. You see, if I'm comparing one thing over another, for instance, if I have that ice cream and those carrot sticks in my hand, what am I doing? I'm comparing which one is going to taste better, the ice cream. Which one's better for me? Maybe the carrots. Either way, we can convince ourselves over one or the other, but there's a comparison there. Who is our standard as a Christian? It is and always will be God. God is our standard. That's what a Christian means, to be Christ-like. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We like to use that verse when we talk about lost people, but it applies to us as the saved too. We are still falling short of the glory of God. We'll never get to the point in life where we can honestly say that we are as good as God, but we are to strive to be like God. I know I'm telling on my wife a lot. My wife likes to bake Christmas cookies every year, and I like to jump in on the icing part. And we always have a competition to see whose cookies look the best. And there I am with my blue stocking and my yellow snowman and whatever other colors I might have. And I'm thinking I'm doing pretty good. And every year without fail, I put the utmost effort into it. And I think I'm doing great until I look over and I see my wife's cookies, you know, glistening with this pristine craftsmanship like it was just taken out of the bakery window. And then I realize, you know what, my decorations just don't match up to her. So like a good husband, I eat all of hers to get rid of them. But even though my cookies may not compare to my wife's, our ways will never compare to God's ways. We will never be like unto God. And I think once we compare our ways to God's ways, it helps us to bring things into perspective. As Christians, don't ask me why. It's our flesh. We like to think, you know what? I'm getting the hang of this Christianity thing. I'm doing pretty good. Look at how much I've accomplished. Look at what I have done. The prophet Isaiah mentions that even our good works are as filthy rags. Again, we like to use that when we talk about the lost. That applies to you too, Christian. Our good works, and you say, oh, but I do all of these ministries and I'm involved in all of this. That's good. That's great. Don't stop. In fact, do more. But it's still as filthy rags to God. It will never attain to God's holiness and perfection. And you know, when we realize how wicked our life is in comparison to God's, I think it has a way of humbling us. And I promise that if you are honest and considering your ways and you allow the Holy Spirit to show your heart and life, I believe that you would probably be appalled at how terrible we are as a Christian. But that's okay, because it is there in that humbled state of mind when you turn to God seeking for forgiveness that God can have full control. And that's when God has the ability to guide and lead and direct your ways. Don't lose sight of what God has saved you from. As long as we're humble before God, he has that control. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know the verse. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. And considering our ways, I would say it's probably pretty good that in all our ways we acknowledge God. So let's do some checkup on ourselves as Christians tonight. How are we doing in the different areas of our life? Consider your ways. It's good to stop and take a little spiritual quiz on yourself to say that, to see how you're doing in certain areas. Don't assume that you're okay in certain areas if you're not. Take time to consider your ways. You know what? A consideration this deep and this thorough, it's not going to happen in a day. And if you're honest with yourself, it probably won't even happen in a week. There's a lot in your life. But it should happen often. Take time to check up on yourself as a Christian. Be thorough in your examination. Be honest with yourself. Be receptive to counsel. Be quiet before God. Be yielded to the Bible. 
Compare your ways with God's ways. I like the verse, Micah chapter 6, verse 8, where it says, He hath shown thee, O man, what is good. So let's do that tonight. Let's consider our ways and just simply do good.